Are you a hospitality worker looking to purchase a new home? Don't settle for just any realtor. Use someone who understands your industry. Our real estate partner, John Ho, has a history in hospitality and is now able to help our industry through the home buying process. Along with his partner at Foundation Mortgage, they have the products and intimate knowledge of the hospitality industry to assist you in identifying properties to purchase and get you qualified for financing. Too often in our industry, we've been fed lies about the path to home ownership. The truth is, you don't need great credit scores. You don't need tens of thousands of dollars for a down payment, and you certainly don't need two years of employment at one job. Don't take chances with the one of the most significant purchases of your life. Trust people who understand the needs of hospitality workers. A team who is non-judgmental and is flexible enough to accommodate any hospitality schedule. And for you managers and executives listening out there, reach out to them to inquire for free information you can pass along to your staff. Contact them today to start your home buying journey with the right team. John Ho at 615-483-0315. Or you can follow him on Instagram at Hospitality. Amanda Gardner with Foundation Mortgage is 865-230-1031. Find her on Instagram at Mortgage Amanda. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, the tastiest hour of talk in Music City. Now here's your host, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and we are powered by Gordon Food Service, I will be joined with our co-host, Caroline Galzen, here very shortly. Happy St. Patrick's Day to you and yours. What a fun holiday for everybody. It looks like it's going to be a rainy day, but um, I wanted to give you today a little bit of uh, St. Patrick's Day history. What is St. Patrick's Day? St. Patrick's Day, or Feast of the St. Patrick is the day of the Festival of Patrick. It's a cultural and religious celebration held on March 17th, the traditional death date of St. Patrick, the foremost patron saint of Ireland. So there you go. That is that is what St. Patrick's Day is, is where it's from, and uh, that I hope that you celebrate your Irishness tomorrow. Hope you get to watch some March Madness, and uh, hopefully your brackets are doing really well. Uh, we are, we've got some amazing episodes coming up this Monday. We'll be talking with Will Godera, who is the former, uh, owner of 11 Madison park. He is also the author of unreasonable hospitality, and he joined us from his home in New York. And, uh, what an amazing conversation, uh, this happened on Wednesday and I, I just, I cannot wait to put it out there. This is such a fun conversation. Big thank you to Will Godera for joining us on the show. The following Monday, we're going to have the winner of Hell's Kitchen, Battle of the Ages. Uh, his name is Alex Ballou. And we are also talking with Levi Rains, who is the chef de cuisine at the Dutch, as well as Carne Mare. So we've got some amazing episodes coming up for you. Uh, and I'm just so excited to put them out there. This episode today is another really, I think it's an important conversation. We had Claire Crowell in, and she was talking about, uh, she's the president at Le Dame d'Escoffier, Nashville, and they're doing a table talk series over at Yeye's, which is Charlotte Miller's place. And she was coming in uh, also 
Anyway, we had her scheduled to come in, and I went to the desegregating Nashville's food scene. We talked about diversity, uh, equity, and um, inclusion, and the guest host for the evening, her name was Kelly Martin, and I had such an, it was just so eye-opening and so interesting to be at this, and it was uncomfortable in all of these things. And so we were interviewing Charlotte the next day, and I said, Kelly, why don't you come with us? I would love to have you in studio to talk more about this. And she was like, let's do it. So we have both Charlotte Miller and Kelly Martin today, and um, they are doing another desegregating Nashville's food scene. It's going to be on March 27th, building a new culture. Guys, this is important stuff. I don't care who you are. This is really important stuff, and it's really educational. And I, I just am excited to put this episode out there because we have some I think there's some important conversation that happens today and it's stuff that uh, I hopefully makes you see something differently or opens your eyes. I really tried to um, be open and honest during this interview, be vulnerable because look, I'm, I'm somebody who likes to look in the mirror and I want to get better every single day. And I think it's these conversations that are going to get us there. So I hope that you guys enjoy this one. Uh, I certainly enjoyed sitting down with them and having this conversation. I know Caroline did as well. And um, we just have, uh, uh, I, it's, I love to hear your thoughts. So send me a DM. If you listen to this episode, send me a DM uh, at Brandon underscore NRR. And uh, let's do it. We are celebrating this past week, three years of Nash Restaurant Radio. March 13th was the first uh, day we did a podcast. And we're three years, we talked about this in our next couple interviews, that we're three years into the pandemic. And I don't know where you were three years ago, but I was in a completely different place. And uh, if you go back and listen to some of these old episodes, I recommend you go back and listen to the old episode with Alex Ballou. Uh, I may re-release that um, in a couple Fridays before that episode comes out. And we will, uh, you can hear his first interview versus this interview. And it's amazing the metamorphosis that one man can have from April of 2020 to almost April of 2023. Uh, just some really fun stuff here. We're having some really good conversations. Again, thank you guys for listening. Let's jump in right now. We're talking diversity, equity, and inclusion with Charlotte Miller and Kelly Martin. Super excited today to welcome in. We have two guests in studio today. Love when we have two guests. It's one of my favorite things. We have Charlotte Miller. Welcome back to Nashville Restaurant Radio. Thank you very much. Um, 
Well, we'll ask you guys. Get comfortable. Pull that mic right up to your face. You get, lean back. Get comfortable. Just pull the mic right up there. And okay, great. that's how we're going to be able to okay, hear you. Great. And <laughs> Kelly's on top of it. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly Martin. And Kelly Martin is a DE&I specialist in the workplace and soon to be doctor. Yes. Soon to be doctor, Kelly Martin. Congrats. Thank you. It's been a, a long journey. It's funny uh, talking about it sitting here with Charlotte because when I tell you she's been with me every step of the way like all right you can do it go girl i got it take care i'll take care of this so i, th I feel like it's our <laughs> i'm it's not gonna be called degree. doctor though <laughs> you don't want to be called doctor um last night you held you hosted at yayay's a symposium um desegregating the nashville restaurant scene is the title of it and your next one is on march 26th correct right and you can buy tickets right now if you go to LeDomNashville.com. You can purchase tickets. I think they're $50. Also Eventbrite. Or Eventbrite. Mm -hmm. Excellent. And from there, you can, when you you get a complimentary beverage, adult beverage. You get lots of complimentary beverages. You got to get loosened up. So you get, <laughs> you've so got to get. Talk, honestly. <laughs> which is a major part of this thing. And I, I, I felt like um, the group last night and we were talking about inclusion last night and i felt like the group was a little quiet but then people started chiming in and talking and engaging and that was good and and it was a little uncomfortable there for a little bit of times but i think that's the way that you phrased it and i wrote a i wrote like a little speech uh -huh. right and it's called i bought a jeep because I did, and I took the doors off and the top off and the whole thing, and I had no rearview mirrors, and I was driving down the street, and I was like, oh, shit, I can't see behind me. And it dawned on me that, like, how often we have to look backwards in order to go forwards. And so many people don't want to get out of their comfort zone. They love being in my little 72-degree home, and I know I'm not going to like that, so I'm going to do it. Well, how do you know you're not going to like that? You have to get uncomfortable sometimes. You, in order to get out of your comfort zone, you have to get uncomfortable, and that's how you grow. That's and how I, muscles work. That's how muscles work. That's how you got to tear them up a little bit, get a little pain, and then they build back stronger. Absolutely. Such a good way to put it. Yeah. So I wanted to kind of not recreate that because there's a lot of people there and I thought there more small businesses need to understand the importance of inclusion and why they need to prioritize that. And I just don't think people do on a general basis. So I wanted to have this conversation and there's lots of other topics we can talk about. All right. So what had happened was it was right after COVID. Well, actually, it was during COVID, right after George Floyd was killed. And I got a lot of phone calls from a lot of well-meaning white women friends asking. Charlotte let off last night okay. with a great because kind of how it came about. How it came about. I've ab always been politically active. I had already been with Black Lives Matter and marching and all the things. I have a son who's 26 now and black. I went to school at USC. Eagle Scout, he's now in New York working in a restaurant. He followed his mom's footsteps, unfortunately. And I was not okay. And I just thought to myself, it's ridiculous that in my own country that a man can be killed and we can watch this snuff film over and over and over again. And when it is a black man, we have no problems watching his death. But... Don't let it be a dog. We won't show that. And I was done. I was emotionally drained and done. And I felt like we had gone backwards so much and made 
hardly any progress, especially with the political climate also at that time. So after that, a well-meaning group of Nashville hospitality people got together and hosted a book, uh, a bake sale. And it infuriated me because it seemed so small and it did not understand the pain and the fear that I had. Because a bake sale is something you do to raise money for a uniform. For Cub schools. Scouts. Right. A bake sale is something that's not going to solve or make me feel less frightened if my son gets pulled over. It is not going to protect me or my son from death or financial harm or any of those other things. And I just was angry and I was hurt. And I also triggered all of the bad memories and all of the garbage I had gone through in 20 years in fine dining and working in some of the best kitchens around the country. And it just brought everything back. And these are the people who also had places like that that are the same caliber. And I was like, this is the reason why I experienced that because they don't get it. And Nancy, um, one fellow Dom, is my mentor. She Nancy is a Benio. Yeah, she is she just gets it. And I called her and I said, Am I am I being the mean, angry black woman again? And she said, No, I understand what you're saying. She goes, But what do you want? What's the purpose of your, what do you want to come out of this? Do you just want to be angry and burn everything down? Or what do you really want? She said, write a letter, write down everything you're thinking, and then put it aside. And I did that. And I went back and I sent it to her. She said, whew, yeah, we don't need to send that. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay, you're right. I go, I feel a little bit better now. And she goes, what do you really want? And I go, I want an honest conversation. I want to have some real change and I don't believe that the people who did this came from a place of hurt. I don't think they came from, I think they really had good intentions. With the bake sale. With the bake sale. And she said, you're right. So how do we help them along? And I said, we had this conversation. And Nancy was the one who said, well, let's figure this out. Let's do some research. And we found out Nashville was the sixth most segregated city in America. And that blew my mind because it felt that way but I didn't have any data, and that was Nancy. And then she said, well, let's write a grant proposal. And I say we because I'm French. No, I'm not. Nancy did that. And we got the grant money. And I said, well, I'm known for brunch, and you can never have a bad time when you're having good snacks and food and, and drinking. So let's get people somewhat comfortable before we get them uncomfortable. And I had just gotten yay-yays, and I said, I will host it, and I will do the brunches at my shop. And she said, okay. And LaDom's at that time also, as everybody was having the great awakening, decided to become a little bit better with their diversity and inclusion internationally. So we t went to our fellow members and said, hey, we've been working on this. Would you like to partner with us? And they said, no, we'd like to do this for you. We'd like to sponsor it, and we're going to champion this. And Andrea, who was our president at the time, was amazing. She was like, let's do this. What do you need? She reached out to people, and that was last year. And then it was really successful. The surveys came back really well. 
and we did it again this year, and then we got sponsors, and I'm just so happy that I didn't allow my anger and my feelings to be hurt and not be something that could have been productive because it could have been very easily. And it would have been okay if I had done that, if I felt that way. But I, I knew I had a, I knew if I really wanted to fix something, I had to do some work. And I had to get uncomfortable. And I found out things about myself too, implicit bias and things like that. So and that's how it came about. So it came about, and then last night, uh, we're talking about inclusion, and then Kelly was kind of the moderator, with moderate host. I don't know how you'd <laughs> like to put it. Um, Kelly, we'll, we'll turn it over to you now. I think one of the things that uh, Charlotte said that was really key was she had to get uncomfortable. As a black woman, it's not comfortable talking to white people about race. It's not comfortable talking to white people about bias or stereotypes. Uh, so there's discomfort on both sides, right? So the scales are balanced at that point. Um, I think it's always just healthy to be able to have the conversation in safe environments where you can use verbiage and know that there's no ill will or, you know, bad intent behind it. You're just trying to make sure that everyone understands. You're seeking to understand. You're being open and open-minded. And I think that that's what makes for honest conversation. You can't really create a path to go somewhere if you don't know where you are at the moment. It's just like looking at a map. You can see your destination. You can see where you want to go. But if you don't know where you are, then there's no way to, to really figure out how to get there other than just talking and it about it. It goes back to exactly what you were saying earlier, though, is about prioritizing. For years in the kitchen, especially, no one prioritized inclusion for anything. You were, you were just a cog in the machine. And everybody had an awakening of some sort. And especially the way we started treating people, not just in kitchens, but in the workforce entirely. And COVID helped us see that. So there was mm -hmm. also all those other factors coming into that to see exactly, because there was no priority. We were talking about looking on a map. It wasn't, no one had that on their map. You were lucky to be there. And that's how exactly how I was treated. You are lucky to be here. And I was lucky. I was lucky to be in a lot of those kitchens. I think the George Floyd, that the, the movement that happened during that time happened at a time when people weren't slammed with life. Right. And people were able to stop and look at it and go, holy shit, let me get a mirror and let me look in the mirror and see what I'm personally doing and what can I do to change my own biases and my own thoughts? Because I think now... We're so damn busy every single day that it kind of slips out of sight, out of mind, and it needs to be in the forefront. And that's where that's what I want. That's one of the things I want to talk about today. Yeah, and I think that you used uh, the verbiage prioritize. You use when we spoke yesterday. Um, you used that, and it, it was it was like yes, priority. I usually lean into intentionality, but you can be intentional about something. But if it's not a priority, it's not going to get done. Um, and if you don't really see why it needs to be done, you won't you won't really do it. So I think that it it's priority is a huge a huge factor in where we are. I think also the prioritizing for I'll say for me as a black woman coming through those kitchens, um, especially fine dining, I never made it a priority to speak up and say when those things happen because I didn't want the spotlight on me. I didn't want them to know it was important to me. 
because that made me one more way different. And I need to be part of the team. So I mm. need to make sure that they felt safe with me. They knew they could be who they wanted to, so I could be part of the team. And it is the biggest regret of my career. I, I when I read um, how to be how to be an anti racist, I, reg- I I read that and I just felt like I just crawled in at how many opportunities I've missed in a conversation where I could have said, "Don't say that shit. That's not appropriate. Stop." Versus not saying anything. You're like, "Well, that guy's an idiot." Like, we have a responsibility to actively thing. say something when you see it, because that's how people understand that there's accountability. Like, that is not okay to speak that way. Being an anti-racist is really, it, it was a big eye-opening moment and I'm for gonna me. Say, like, it, I'm telling you, as a black woman, I did it too. Yeah, I, I think, I'll, I'll I think say, a lot I of people just, do it. I was just as guilty, if not more so, because I was also in management. I was also a sous chef and executive chef. And would allow it to slip through because I didn't want to rock the boat. And that goes into um, not necessarily identity shifting or code switching, but it goes into that well, space I definitely of code switch. just wanting. <laughs> yeah, and, and we, we all do it at some point where we change our, our tone, our dialect. We tone back or mask our identity as black people or black women specifically because I can really only speak for myself in that. So we, we change our tone and it's to fit in with everyone else because we don't want to stand out anymore. You know, I'm, listen, I'm almost 5'10", light, bright, blonde hair, blue eyes. I'm going to stand out in any room I go in because half the time people are looking, trying to figure out what I am anyway. (laughs) So speaking up about things has not necessarily always been easy. But I think when you when you realize you need to do it and then you do, you do recognize the target or you're considered a race baiter or you're told everything's not about race and all those other things. But at the same time, when you're accustomed to that, when you're accustomed to everything being about race and being about what color you are, being about, you know, the the people that you came and sat in with, then that's kind of what you lean to first. Like, well, why are they treating me this way? Why didn't I get that job? Also, um, I was going to say specifically in, in hospitality, because you are the only person, if you speak up, now the spotlight is on you. Mm-hmm. So now what you're asking for in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, which is counterintuitive to most hospitality, is pay attention to me. I'm uncomfortable. You must cater to me. And that's antithetical to what we're taught in hospitality. It's not about us. It's about the guest. guest. Yeah. It's about the guest, and I'm not the guest. But you're an internal guest. Well, see, that's a new, that's a shift now. That's got to be the thing. You're an internal guest. We have to treat each other that way. Let's talk about DE&I, diversity, equity, and inclusion. You're a specialist in the workplace. You described it so well last night. Were you kind of... Well, yeah, diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, and and like I've mentioned before, it's been a buzzword where a lot of people want to talk about it because of that time period uh, where it it was highlighted, where it's like, oh, everybody's DNI, 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 um, but they only it DNI only works DNI, excuse me, only works when all three pieces are brought together, diversity. It's having diverse candidate pools and diverse employees in your staff, in your kitchens, in your hotels, specifically with hospitality. Um, And 
that diversity looks different. It's not just race. Diversity is also uh, religion. It's also gender. It's also ableism. Um, it's also LGBTQ. It, it, there's so many different pieces of diversity. There's ageism. And we talked about our seasoned employees and the fact that for the first time in history, we do have multiple generational cohorts in the workplace. So there are boomers and then there are your Zers and millennials are sprinkled in everywhere and nobody really knows what the hell is going on. So. What about the Xers? <laughs> yeah, that's right. They always forget oh, us. I'm like, what's going on <laughs> I here? I always forget the Xers. Well, it's everything we we're from just in the, corner. the Xers, yeah. the Wires, the Zers. <laughs> all, all of us toward the end of the alphabet and, and you know, the <laughs> millennials kind of sprinkled in. Um, I'm actually a geriatric millennial, so on some charts, 1980 is the the oldest you can be to be considered a millennial. I'm 79. That's why I said I'm right there. Right. That number is unlisted. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but for the first time, you have all of these different cohorts of generations in the workforce. So how do you make sure that your work is productive and that you are reaching your objectives without offending everybody, right? Because everybody has something about them that they can take offense to if it is poked just the right way. Um, so it's a it's a strange place. It's a strange time in the workplace with diversity. And also in the kitchens, let's be honest too, we do poke at each other. That's part of our fun. That was a mm -hmm. pastime is to take those things and say, oh, this is what bothers you. So it became a game. It was. Yeah, it and was I think a, a lot of that's changing. Well, and I think that it's such a high pressure environment too that a lot of times you're you're getting everyone at their worst on somewhat of a regular basis. You have to be a special kind of person <laughs> to willingly go into some of these spaces and do that. And to get paid and volunteer not to get paid sometimes too, just for the hopes of learning. So yeah, that's that's another thing too. So it's again against the, the makeup and the institution of hospitality. So now we're asking them to totally turn everything upside down, including myself. And I'm going to admit, I didn't do it until I walked away from it and then started doing it on my own. And understanding that, and that's when you come into inclusion. Inclusion is the bridge between diversity and equity. It kind of makes sure that you take the, that diverse pool of, of candidates and the diverse pool of employees and that they're in a workspace that makes sense. But you have to bridge it to making sure inclusion makes sure that they have equitable experiences, equitable opportunities, equitable pay equitable information and that they have access access to all of those things if we don't put all three of them together diversity equity and inclusion if they're not all together then we're doing nothing more than recycling the integration back that happened during the civil rights movement where you're putting minorities in spaces where they're not welcome and I think that's what I experienced the most was that there was no inclusion and I did not understand that until I got into this symposium and started really understanding that. And again, I reached out to experts because I'll have you in HR in no time. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I, I do that. I didn't, I, I mean, and it changed the way I, the way I manage people now and the way I include. There's some, when I first started, I always hired people. That I was always diverse in my hiring, but I was not in my inclusivity. If you came and you worked for me and you were a mom, you came and worked for me and you were, a, I don't care. We all, we're all the same here. And that's not fair. We're not. 
No, you got to seek to understand. Right. <clears throat> there was a woman last night who said she has a, a young black woman who works for her and she's trying really hard. And she said, what do, what do we do? She goes, she's keep trying. And I, my brain, I was just thinking, you've got to be vulnerable. You've got to ask questions. You've got to let let the person in, sit them down and say, hey, look, these are some problems I had when I was growing up or when I was in learning this, this stuff in yeah. this space. These were my challenges do you share any of those or what are some of your, like ask questions, sit down with them, say, get gonna, to know honest, them. I had a couple of really great chefs, Chef Anthony Keene, who worked with Bacuse, who did that for me, who was like, he said to me, he might've called me schoolgirl every day, but he also brought me in that office and said, I'm going to teach you to be a chef, not a line cook. And he did. And he really, he sat down with me and I was in his office every day. We went through menus, how he wrote things, his, what he was reading, what he was thinking, and that was trust. inclusion. You're right. And, and he building built trust. trust. Relationship mm -hmm. building. So he knew I always trust. had his back. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's important. And that, and I was so glad that she shared that because I, I'm sure that there are so many other instances and even acknowledging like, hey, she's the only black person in there. So I, I know, you know, she feels like she doesn't receive the feedback well. And I'm like, well, she's probably really uncomfortable. And tired. <laughs> That's one of the things, like, I did not realize how tired I was on top of the kitchen being it's already stressful and everything else. Now I've got to play a whole nother game. Racial battle fatigue. Yeah. And I was horrible with that. That opened my eyes in a big way last night because I, I said, you know, we, if we have a front of the house person who is of color and they leave because they don't feel comfortable, I'm looking at things based upon performance and mm -hmm. this needs to have, this needs to have, and I have 140 employees. So it's like, how do you go in? But I didn't. I wasn't intentional and I didn't prioritize that and I didn't recognize that that could be a thing because I don't experience that every day. I didn't recognize it in myself. I don't recognize it because I don't experience yeah. it in my life. And just the understanding that that is a thing was so eye-opening for me. And that that's part of it. That's, I mean, me saying that out loud is like, oh man, See, I didn't I'll do that. that. Don't feel bad. But I I'm, am a I'm black not. woman and did not understand what it was until I went to... A therapist, after I left, she goes, oh, <laughs> let me tell you what's going on right now. Because you, because I would feel guilty and would feel weak and feel less than. And if I had admitted that, yes, I am tired, I have fatigue, whatever, because I did not want anybody to know I wasn't strong enough. I was already a woman in the kitchen. So that was always the first thing. I got to be as good as you, if not better, got to be stronger, if not as strong. So I could not have that on top of it. And that's cultural. Like we're raised to be like, you have to be strong. You have to outperform. You have to work twice as hard as the next person. Also kitchen culture is that able, way. able to get better. And then, so yeah, so you have that in the, you have that in the kitchen. You grew up with it, you know, coming up in school and it's, it's different cultures. And I think that talking about them and understanding them and, let me hospitality is a culture of its own facts it's a culture <laughs> of its own there are things that happen in you know in culinary um professions and in the kitchen that I had no idea about until I started spending time with more people in the industry and understanding like holy shit like y'all this is wild like hearing some of the things that are said 
in there is just like, wow, okay. So when you you take all of that, it's not a priority for you because you don't even recognize that it's happening. And that's why I said you don't know until you don't know. And that's going to be whether you're white, whether you're black or whatever, you know, whatever race you are, you just don't know what you don't know. that's the reason why it was so important for us to have it come from the top, for us to invite these people to the symposium like yourself, people who actually do the hiring. Yeah. Because the people who actually make the businesses, the ones who own the businesses and stuff like that, because they're the ones who create the culture. It's their brand. It's them. And it's and I can only say to you, hey, just so you know, this is how it's perceived. If you're cool with that, that's on you. But if you're not, let me tell you what else is going on. You know, th- that's and that's the experience. Even with myself, I was like, oh, okay. I didn't look at that that way, and I didn't look at that that way. But yeah, that explains why I felt this way and that way. I'm definitely bringing all my GMs oh, I to love the next that. one oh, for the, who great. are in the store level, working every day, hiring people who are making the decisions in the store level. They're all they're all coming. It's a mandatory thing. Just be because of the open dialogue. I mean, mm-hmm. and you can't. I don't think it's appropriate to pull somebody aside in a restaurant and, and and necessarily ask some of the questions that were being talked about last night. Mm-hmm. That, that would that almost accentuates that feeling right but i think understanding the things that you learn coming to the symposium is really helpful to open your eyes to things you might not see on a regular basis and and i don't know if it's empathy but but understanding does that make sense i think it's a combination like there's empathy in there there's compassion there's understanding all of those things but i think that's a part of the reason that deep growth (laughs) and growth is huge uh in that but i think that's a part of the reason why deni is so important and why it's so disappointing like you know what they're trying to do in florida and removing all of i mean the drag shows if that's another thing that was just another way uh, or tennessee for us to say you're different you're different Mm -hmm. and we don't want you here was sharon hurt saying in the interview that this was retaliation for the RNC. Yes. Yes. That the, the drag show I, I don't was know that, retaliation. I, I don't want to put words in her mouth. I don't know that she said that verbatim, but that was, was that, the impression that did I Did you get that? Yeah. So yeah. part of what I've heard too is that quite a few Republicans in Nashville were, I mean, in Tennessee, not Nashville, were upset that Nashville did not want the Republican convention here. Which I think is hilarious because all the reasons why they want to come here is all the things that make it blue, and then those are things they want to get rid of. Right. So it reminds me of that scene in The Handmaid's Tale when they have all the women and stuff all, all put up to the side, but they all want to go to the Jezebel place on the weekends and stuff. So that that's the same thing reminds me of Republicans. Of course. Yeah, they're like, oh, no, we don't want this and this, but well, we're going to go on a convention now. Well, it's like that. <laughs> it's Let's like that asshole, <laughs> Scott Desjardins, who's like the most outspoken anti-abortion proponent, but has paid for multiple abortions for his mistresses. But God forgave him, so yeah. it's all good. <laughs> but, that, but I'm saying though, so that's, that was part of it, is that yeah, they... Yeah. They, they, all the things that they say that they don't like about Nashville is all the things they want from us. Our money. They want our, our money. restaurants. The, all the cool things yeah. that make us cool. <laughs> you know? They our want the money shows, from all the things they the don't bars. like. And the part of the reason why our bars and our scene is so great is because we do have a pretty diverse different types of restaurants and people are starting to come in. We are coming around that way. And now... They want to say things like critical race theory. It's like, what are you talking about? Well, I want to I want to be specific here yeah. because 
one of the topics of conversation is inclusion. And you asked a question last night. You said, how many people here have a specific um, plan of inclusion in your restaurant? That's not the way you phrase it. What is the actual? Well, basically, that was it. How many, um, how many people had inclusion strategies in their in their workplace how many how many that are written do down that like right, this is our strategy it's not just like oh yeah we do that yeah, like, like, like you are you are you intentional procedure. with it mm -hmm. and i think you know several people raised their hands but then it was do you have more than two to three uh people of color working for you and it's like um not on the front of the house <laughs> but in the back of the house and i just thought that was an interesting thing because my brain started racing because I mean, we, we were actually, I don't know, I feel very proud of the inclusion that we have. And we are intentional. I don't know if there's a policy written about it. I know that. It's also the people you hire. We're very intentional yeah. about it. But there was a lot of ideas that you threw out there. But if I'm a restaurateur and I'm out there listening in my car right now, do you have a specific intentional plan of inclusion? And if not, why do they need that? So there are several, why is that important? It, it, there, there are several different ways that you can create inclusion in, in the workplace and actually have a plan for it. Um, starting with, I don't know how much time because I am not in the restaurant business. Charlotte could probably speak better uh, to that. But one of the things that I think about are one-on-ones, making sure that you have one-on-ones with your team members, uh, or at least that your management is doing it, that you are making sure that they're... Um, a temperature are, check. Yeah, and organizational health surveys, finding out where your team members are, what are they missing from the workplace as far as if they feel like they're getting what they need. People perform better when they're supported and feel like they have everything they need to to, to perform at their best. So organizational health surveys, one-on-ones are, are one. If you are lacking diversity in your workplace, you are so blessed to be in a city with four HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, um, where you're able to go. You can do outreach and just get to know people. A lot of times if you say, oh, we don't get that type of candidate, half the time they don't know that you're there. And they don't know that you're there because they're not, they haven't been exposed to it. It hasn't been accessible for them to know where you are in your business. So building a relationship with the students. I know that some of the guests last night spoke about a program that even reaches out to high school students who are Pro interested. Start. Pro start. I'm yeah. so going to get involved in that. Yeah. Like that. I thought that that was great that it gives an opportunity. Taking a note now. <laughs> I used to, I used to be a judge for pro start. I used to go to the competition. I judged chicken fabrication, Oh, I like and that. It, but you know, it was really cool because they had to break down a whole chicken yeah. and you know, the whole thing, but like you're talking to juniors and seniors in high school and they're so respectful and they're so passionate oh, you know you deal still with, not jaded you yeah you work with so many people that are jaded and you're in this group and they're like they're cutting it and you're like ah and some some people's knives aren't that sharp yeah. and you see a discrepancy in this really nice school who has all, all the fancy really stuff nice exactly. and they're just chopping stuff up and the other schools don't and you're just like well how is this so Fair. it's very eye-opening to go to a pro years. start but it's really inspiring Inspiring as well because they still they still have hope. I'm excited. Yes, I'm totally into this. We're going to take a break to hear a word from our sponsors. Do you provide your team with health insurance? If you work for a restaurant right now that doesn't offer health insurance, do you need health insurance? Because Dan Marr over at Southern Health Insurance wants to change that. If you're a local restaurant and you just you really want to offer health insurance, there are so many benefits, improved employee retention, 
You have happier team members, which means longer tenures and less training time. Smoother shifts make everyone's lives easier, meaning happier employees are more likely to stick around. When employees take care of their health, they're less likely to take sick days. This means reduction in lost productivity and revenue for your business. Fewer sick days, wouldn't that be great? You have improved morale, a healthy workplace with opportunities for growth is a happy workplace. Encouraging your team's well-being will result in higher morale and better work performance. Guys, all of these things, Dan offers health insurance. He offers visual insurance and dental, as well as life insurance. And guys, if you're out there in the marketplace, it's just too tough to navigate, Dan can answer any question that you may have. Any business, if you're a small business, it doesn't have to be a restaurant, you need to call Southern Health Insurance, 832-816-8602. If you prefer to email, you can email dan at southernhealthins.com. What Chefs Want story is incredibly unique. The owner, Ron Turnier, met with a bunch of chefs in Louisville back in the early 2000s and asked them one simple question. What do you want? And the chefs, they responded emphatically. We want deliveries on Sunday. We want to be able to split any item that you sell. We want a frictionless experience where we feel like we're being served. And so you know what he did? Something crazy. He did just that. So What Chefs Want is not only a company that's delivering fresh produce, fresh seafood, fresh custom cut meats, specialty items, dairy, gourmet, all of that seven days a week. They also offer 24-7 customer support. You want to call, you want to text, you want to email, you can talk to somebody 24-7. Get your delivery seven days a week in an amazing selection of products. That is What Chefs Want. So if you ever wonder, why do they call it that? That's your reason. Check them out at whatchefswant.com. Hey guys, we are supported by Sharpier's Bakery and we've been supported by Sharpier's Bakery for the last year. And I tell you, I couldn't be more proud of this partnership. Guys, they're a locally owned and operated bakery right here in Nashville for the last 36 years. Yes, they deliver fresh baked bread daily to your restaurant's back door and man, is it good. You want to know what kind of bread they make? Go check them out at sharpiesbakery.com. That's C-H-A-R-P-I-E-R-S bakery.com. So they have over 200 types of bread. And if you're wondering, well, hey, look, it's a special recipe that I like to use that, you know, we bake it in our house and it's just, it's a kind of a pain, but we, we like to do it. They can take your recipe and make that bread for you without any of the hassle, the mess, the labor, They'll just deliver right to your door every single day. It is freshly baked. They love to give you a tour of their facility. Give Erin Moso a call. Her number is 615-319-6453. You should do it now. I also I thought Jason brought up a good point. Um, my partner, my business partner, Jason Lentz, where he said, what about, what are you putting out to the world? With social media now, because I did not have that when I started, I noticed that there's a lot of people in their marketing and their social media and what they post does not include the people that are in their restaurants. I have been in places where there are black people and they come there often on the weekends. It's like one of our spots and we are not in a single one of their posts or pictures. But just so devil's advocate, what am I, 
do I walk over to you while you're dining and go, hi, we want to make a social media so, post. And can I take a picture so of you no, guys? Because no, I want to have a... I'm going to say like, something. What do you do? Terrell Owens is fantastic at this. I'm going to go ahead and give credit. Um, Liberty Common, we go and when Liberty Common first opened up, first of all, it's fried chicken, oysters, and champagne. How can you go wrong? Ter- Terrell Owens? Yes. I mean Terrell Rayleigh? It's sorry. Uh, Terrell, sorry. Terrell, oh, I, was like, I, was, I was like, the football player? I'm like, what is he doing? That's amazing. Terrell, I'm so sorry. I just made you T.O. I'm like, you said that. I was like, you mean, oh, Terrell. Okay, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. I know oh, who you're talking so about sorry. now. Yeah, yeah, so sorry. Anyway, um, it's been a long day already. <laughs> anyway, so, but what was great, though, was that we would come in all the time. I love the place. And he just sent me a picture of me and my girlfriends. We'd come down on a weekend. And he goes, hey, I'm gonna put this on my um, on the website. You cool with this? I was like, yeah, appreciate it. And we were there's a bunch of black women just sitting on the front page, on the on the landing page when it came in, and it made me so happy because it wasn't another picture of some blondes with the cowboy boots on or whatever in Nashville. It was like we are downtown and we are part of the city, and he made it so. We're matter here of fact, too. yeah, and so matter of fact, and like, yeah, I'm just going to do this, but I won't. But I'm going to be respectful enough to ask you if you're cool with that. And I was like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and some people could take it one way. You coming up like, hey, you know, we want to get a picture of you. Most of the time, if there are mimosas and champagne somewhere flowing, no one's going to care. <laughs> we're taking our own pictures too. Yeah, you know, like even because we're tagging a lot the of tagging the staying. places that we go to. Yeah. We're tagging the place that we're 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 at. Why not use some of our, when we're tagging y'all, why not use some of those posts? We're telling you we're here. Yeah. Use those. So, and that does make a difference too. And just as a patron where you go, how comfortable you are being there. Do you feel welcome? You know, when you go, is I'm there representation? To, Do you see anyone yeah. who looks like I'm gonna, you? I'm going to, I'm going to freak almost every restaurateur owner in Nashville out. Do it. There's a list that you guys don't know about. Sure is called black friendly and i didn't know about it either there is a list among professional middle-aged i'm sorry we're middle-aged people black people (laughs) definition of middle age yeah (laughs) of black people they have a list and when our friends come in from new york they come in from atlanta they come in from all over the, the country they said where can i go that i'm okay and we have a list of places. The fact that there's a list is. There is a list. And when I get that place is cool, that place is cool. You can go there. Don't worry about it. Blah, 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 blah. We have a list. And we also have stories of the places that aren't cool and why. I like to get on that list. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. There's quite a, I mean, it's funny because like quite a few places that I thought were cool. And I was like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And they were like, nope. And I was like, oh. Well, you get a different experience also being industry and, and that's being what I had a part that's of it. Privilege. You're yeah, you definitely have a privilege. You're like a respected part of the, you know, the restaurant culture. We don't have that same experience. I've had experiences by myself in places that were totally different when we went places together. So it, it's a whole, it's a whole. Oh, I'm with Charlotte. <laughs> oh, well, here's the red carpet. We'd love to have you here tonight. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend like that doesn't feed my ego. That, <laughs> that absolutely happens. But even Friday I was in Yay's and it was uh, a couple of young ladies that came up from Atlanta and they were like, Oh no, we, 
read about uh, apparently somehow they've gotten the list of places that are okay to go in Nashville and it's happened before it was um uh, the older couple yeah. that had come in, you know, I I, I didn't know about it. I was like, how'd y'all mm-hmm. find us? And they're like, oh, you're on you're, you're, you're on, on the, the list. list. And I was like, well, I'm glad I'm on the list. <laughs> <laughs> because you took the survey, and that's not who you are, right? <laughs> so it's it's definitely um, a thing where you, if you don't feel safe, you don't feel comfortable, you don't feel welcome, then you won't go. But that's a whole. And, and if you just want to look at it from a business perspective, the people that come into your place to spend money is green. It's a car. It's what the a hospi- same piece of plastic. What, is, it, is that what a hospitality is, though? Hundred percent. Um, what's his name? The guy from Madison Park says hospitality is about Will Gadara. Yeah, he said it's about how you make people feel. He says service is black and white, and yeah. hospitality is color. Right. Service is doing something for somebody. Hospitality is how you make somebody feel with right. your service. Short plug. He's going to be on the show tomorrow. Oh, Shut awesome. up. Yeah. I might stop by with some snacks. No, no. He's going to be on, on, on he's going to be on StreamYard. But you can still come by with snacks. We'll eat them. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, no, he'll be here at about 11.15, uh, right around lunchtime. But yeah, because I thought about that because I kept saying to myself, what would radical hospitality look like? And radical hospitality, I don't mean just in the sense of how we take care of the business part of it, but how we do it in our everyday lives. What if our schools practice radical hospitality? What if our hospitals did? What if our prisons did? What if, what if our police did? Everybody did. Right. That's his thing. He says, anybody can be in the hospitality industry. No right. matter what you do, who you are, anybody can do it. And I love that. Um, I want to get back to a question I know Caroline wants to ask. Well, actually, I have a different question. Go. Okay, go. (laughs) Because I love this conversation. So, you know, earlier you were talking about kind of how you got to hosting the symposium, and you were saying that these well-meaning people, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of tried to do some things. I think that there's a lot of businesses out there that are those kind of well-meaning businesses but aren't actually doing the thing so what do you think that a well-meaning business and and maybe I'm one of those businesses you know that what can I do to ensure that you know it is a comfortable experience for people everybody is walk into your dining room on a busy Friday night when you're popping and you're like, oh, man, and everything's feeling good. You know that energy. Everybody knows that feeling in a restaurant when you're like, oh, man, it's like a good dance. And it's a- ask who's not there and why. Who's not in your kitchens? Who's not your manager? Who's not your patrons? And why? And then that's where you start. And then start asking those questions. Is it because of where you are? Is it proximity? Is it you no know, transportation? Is it price point? What is it? And sometimes price point's fine. You know, that's, that's what it is. But for the, the question, that's the first step. Just ask why. And that's, I think that's where you start. And so if you want to be a well-meaning business, ask that question. The second thing I will say to you is if you do not, if you do not give any type of leadership role or somebody who can make some kind of decisions. And I'm not talking like, that's another thing too. People think what I'm talking about is affirmative action. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody who's qualified. You cannot tell me you cannot find a person of color. If you can find five white people who are qualified, you can find one person of color who's qualified also. And here, here was my question. 
Okay, so we're out of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I guess it's officially over now. Are we? Oh, Is that right? Okay. I, th- I think that. Well, I think Biden said it. That it was I think Biden so. said it's over. So I didn't get my ticker tape for it. <laughs> <laughs> but we've all, and I'm, and I'm, I'm referencing small businesses, right? I'm re- referencing people who is a chef owner. I'm representing Caroline, okay, who's, her and her husband are running a restaurant. They're active in the restaurant. They're hustling. They have I was people, in the shop this morning at 4 a.m. They have people breakfast. that, you, I'm referencing yeah. you, who show up in their, there's no day you show up and it goes exactly to script. Never. I can't remember the last day where I was like, <laughs> holy shit, that, that was exactly so like I, I anticipated time. today I to be. There's a reason why I've had, I've been married so many times because I trust no one. I have <laughs> lived through, I have so many bad things and I, I trust nothing. If anything bad can happen, it will twice. So if that's the state of that we're in and I'm, I'm waking up today and I'm looking at my linen invoice and the linen company's screwing me. And then my Cisco truck is late or my GFS truck, because that's a more, I just was using Cisco as a, because they're the ones who are late because they are the ones who are late. Yeah. GFS is always on time. Um, the Cisco truck is late because that's a standard. You can kind of start planning on that, but you, uh, it's kind of a, 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 when do I prioritize this? I'm hair on fire trying to get stuff done. People People are coming in the door and I'm trying to hire people, but so you're trying to hire people. If you're trying to hire people, and you can't figure out why you can't keep people, this is part of it. And it doesn't just affect black people. If I feel included and welcome, then that gay kid is going to feel included and welcome. And the Buddhist and the Muslim, because they can say, oh, okay. Everyone. Everyone here is okay. Yeah. And so that's also good for your business. It's good for your culture. And I always say, so I'm a believer in family meal. And the reason why I was a believer in family meals because if I took care of my servers, they took care of my guests. So if you want to make sure your guests are taken care of, take care of them. That is the Southwest way, the business model of in uh, taking care of your internal customers so that you're sure they take care of your external customers. That is an awesome, um, an, an awesome way to run business, an awesome way to lead and to manage one thing that I would suggest also, as you mentioned, like Cisco, and you missin- mentioned your your linen vendor, there are black businesses that do those things too. So, who are your business partners also? Oh yeah, that's that a you big have one. That's the true. Ab- you have the ability to help another small business and build a network with them. And I tell you, word that's of really mouth is is huge. Because you could have vendors who employees are like, oh, no, this is a nice spot. We're going to come in here and have a brunch or we're going to come in and have a birthday party or whatever the case is. But just expanding your network past, you know, what you're accustomed to. And I will say that Nashville has done to. that for me. I've only been in business for a year and I have had exceptional people reach out to me and have pushed me ahead and have been. And I'm not talking about and perfect example is Jack Daniels the company and stuff, they have always been, that's my chef. Not my black chef, not my woman chef. That's my chef. She does our tailgates. We do her part. She does our parties. And when people were afraid to hire me, I could call Tom or Misty Blue and say, hey, would you be a, a reference for me? And go, no problem. And yeah. people would hire me like that because I had that, I had that attachment to them now. 
So that's really helpful too. If you can't, you know, like I say, your vendor's on top of that, but also using your platform, mm-hmm. which is what you're doing right now, which I'm very much appreciative of. Well, I think that there's a there's an absolute, especially with our talk with with Sharon Hurt, talking about small businesses, supporting small businesses, supporting minority-owned businesses, because representation matters. It does. And she told a story about a young woman, her mom, growing up in Memphis, and her mom took this young woman who she took her inside and bathed her and cleaned her and gave her clothes and washed her hair and sent her back home. And she could see in the little girl's eyes that she had hope. Like she didn't have it. And then she left there and she was like, Oh, I have hope. And I said, you Sharon being the mayor of Nashville, first black mayor of Nashville. Do you think that that gives thousands of little girls that hope to see you there as represented as the mayor of Nashville. And she said, absolutely. And that's something like, and and she almost had tears in her eyes thinking about that opportunity to represent and be there. Obama meant so much to us. I was going to say the same thing. So I remember because my parents, or the vice president today, Kamala Harris. Yeah. Well, so yeah. So, so from, from my parents saying, if you work hard, then it'll be okay. Just work hard, just work hard and do the right thing. And so when Obama became, came into office, it was very important for, my, for me to make sure that on inauguration my son saw it mm-hmm. so he could see this is what hard work looks like. It is possible in America. And I always think it's funny that people think that black people hate America. I don't think there's a group of people who love America more. I would have to agree. We have been pushed down and everything else, and we still <laughs> believe in the ethos and the promise of America, of everyone is equal, that we will have a pursuit of happiness, they will give the opportunity to work, and that at some point, we will all reach there together. And we keep striving for it over and over again. Every time we get knocked down or told no, we believe, because we do have people, like allies, who remind us, no, it's just these people aren't. But for the most part, we are American, and that's an American ethos, and it I is. do believe that. So, and I, I would agree. I think that a lot of a lot of us do feel that way. We do believe in the promise of it. So, when we see people who look like us, it seems more attainable because these are spaces that we've not been in before. So, to see that a black man could be president, we just got voting rights a couple years ago. It's just like, oh, okay. And that is one of the, you know, reasons why so many do push to make sure that people within our communities are voting and that people are getting out and getting uh, politically aware and, and getting gaining the knowledge that they need to decide who's the right person to vote for, who's the wrong person to vote for. You got to make sure you look at the judges. You got to make sure that you look at, you know, your sheriffs and even people in those spaces, not just in presidential elections, but in your local elections I also. also I'm going to say, bringing it back to hospitality, I know what it meant. Marcus um, was, a, was a chef here in Nashville, and he did an uh, interview, and he said that one of my mentors was Charlotte. And it took me aback when he, I read that. He said, I remember the day I walked into the Hermitage Hotel, and I saw you with that chef coat on. He goes, and I thought, holy shit. And the Hermitage Hotel, there's a black woman sous chef? I am the only black woman chef in 114 years of that hotel and wow. still are still why what there's not even a, there's not even a line cook even to this day so my, woman. i'm gonna bring this point home i promise 
it's important. It is important to be inclusive and back to the intentionality and prioritization. If I am one of those local businesses, and I think that we've done a good job over the past couple interviews to talk about the importance of supporting local and supporting minority owned businesses and building up small businesses because this is our community and it's building Nashville. You see Nashville changing every single day. And if you don't have a specific inclusion program, it's very important. If you're out there complaining about how Nashville has changed, doing this will help preserve who we are and it will build up our community in ways that are tenfold going to beat anything that else that you're going to so do. I said that Nashville was, uh, had the feeling of a small town in a big city. Yeah. And I love that about us. You know, we can't hi, lose how that. You, yeah. Hi, how you doing? How your mom and them doing? Oh, I saw you last week. Thanks for coming back. Waving it, folks. Exactly. Don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Can you believe this? Well, how did your house come out to? What about our football team? I love that part of it. I love Nashville. I love it. We were the the second most friendliest town in America when I was a kid. I I love that. The first one was Honolulu. Well, they've got beaches. Exactly. (laughs) How bad can you be? Diamond. Exactly. But... I always thought that that was great. And I believed that about Nashville. And we're not on that list anymore. And I was like, what has changed about us? What has changed about our culture? What has changed us about our government? What has changed about our businesses? And small businesses have some of the largest impact economically on our communities, as well as to what we do specifically with one-on-one with each other. That's where that contact is. I think one of the things that I've noticed, too, is that since COVID, a lot of uh, restaurants have had a hard time keeping staff. And, you know, you'll go in and they'll tell you it's a two-hour wait because they're understaffed and things like that. So bringing it back to just the inclusion piece of it and being intentional and having that strategy is I would say I I believe in relationships. I believe that if you built relationships with um, back to the college students who need internships, contacting their career development center, finding out how you can have a presence in the community. Um, You have, we're getting ready for a mayoral race, being out there and actually seeing what's going on in the community. That's outside of the one that you live in. We talked last night about the food deserts and not having, um, you know, grocers and uh, grocery stores and not having nice restaurants or big brands or big chains in our communities until they're gentrified. Um, Getting out there. Uh, Inclusion plan means including everyone. So take a look at your staff, do those organizational health surveys and see how they feel about it. Um, let them know that it's a safe space where you can be honest. And that's honestly when when I asked last night everyone to write down a stereotype that they believed about black people, I wanted, I wanted to hear it so that we can do myth busters, right? <laughs> and understanding that some things are just a myth. We all know some people like this, but then we also know people who aren't. So just in approaching um, the the people that may be a part of our candidate pool or our patrons that come in, we have to have an open mind and leave the canvas blank and create the picture by talking to them without having one already predetermined in think, your mind. Yeah, also, I think stereotypes are also different and harder for us in the hospitality industry because we work off stereotypes. I'm not going to lie. I know that when I have a group of black people coming in for a wedding, I know I need to cook those steaks a little bit longer if I had older black people inside a group. Because they're not going to want those things medium rare. They're just not. And um, 
Some may, would, some, some may extent, not. Some I, may don't, exactly. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, exactly. I can't. But the thing is, though, so I had already, because I'm thinking to myself, I need to go ahead and pro- I need to make sure I'm ahead of that again because I'm thinking A, B, C, D, and I'm using those stereotypes on those things so I can get, what I'm thinking is giving better service. And what I'm not, what I'm not actually doing is thinking about them as people. Is that why they overcook my steaks? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I'm using that next time. That's bullshit. What is that? That's some bullshit right there. Yeah, but it's like all sorts of kind of things, just cultural things. Like I have to say that, like I said, I told y'all, I took that implicit bias test. I am biased. <laughs> I'm telling you, yes. Well, ladies, um, I hate to do this, but we've got a hard cutoff in in one minute. Okay not going to be that hard because we're probably going to go another five minutes but <laughs> gordon food service is our amazing title sponsor and, and i they love also them were a sponsor for um the symposium so they're amazing uh we love gordon food service and they sponsor our final thought so our final thought we're going to go around the table and i feel like carolyn you didn't <laughs> we just we're just going 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 final thoughts whatever you guys want to say as long as you want to say them, as long as we can cover it in three minutes. No, I'm just kidding. As long as you <laughs> want to do it. Um, Kelly, we'll start with you and we'll just go around the table. All I of us. I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate the open-mindedness, being willing to have the conversations and just talk about the hard things. Um, I think that the best way to bring DEI practices into your workplace as small businesses. It may be just to start by forming a committee um, of the different types of people, a diverse committee in your organization to say, hey, how do you think we can improve in on this? What can we do on that? Do you feel included? And just really kind of gauge the temperature of your staff, reaching out to um, vendors, uh, minority vendors for different food services, different services within your organization that might be helpful, be it cleaning, be it uh, linen, be it, you know, what whatever that may be. And also, I don't know if everyone knows, but there is an organization called T Malza, where there are black spirit owners, black and wine, black wine and spirit owners here in the state of Tennessee, where you can actually put their products in your in your uh, stores and your restaurants just to kind of promote minority business as well and follow start building that network with people who don't necessarily look like you who don't come from where you come from because again we're always better together love that idea charlotte so i'm going to be a little bit more broad more macro my father wrote a letter to my sister in her baby book and when she was born and he said a life well lived is one lived with love and charitable behavior. And that's how you know you've lived a good life. And I think people deep down all want to do that. I think that no I don't believe that anybody gets up in the morning and says to themselves, I want to be a dick. <laughs> I want to be an asshole. There you go. See, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I part of my morning the, meditation, exactly. but I mean, you know, whatever. I think for the most part, I don't go, maybe that's a Pollyanna in me. So, my my final thought is if that is what you want to do in your day-to-day behavior, in your day-to-day life, what is the legacy that you're leaving behind of your life? And if you're cool with that, then I'm cool with that. But if you look in the mirror and deep down you know you could be better and do better, then do it. Amen. Caroline? Wow. I, you know, I just really want to thank both of you for creating a space for 
these types of conversations. They are uncomfortable, but I think that they are critical, especially right now. You know, I think that there's a lot of people who unfortunately still tend to be closed-minded about these conversations, but I think that if you aren't growing, you're going to get left behind. And I think, I think that, that's part of the reason why people are so uncomfortable right now and they're fighting so hard in these death throes is that they're, they're afraid they're going to get left behind. Mm. So I'm here to tell you right now, I'm not leaving you behind. We're giving you a roadmap. We're reaching out a hand. You're not going to get left behind. We want you there too. Better together. Absolutely. I'm going to do my own final thought because this is the first time I think we've actually gone on the table. It's always yeah. just been the guest. Start today. I don't care where you're at. I don't care if there's, you're, it's never too late to start growing. It's not like when you're 18, that's who you are. <laughs> Change, open your eyes, have the conversations, read a book, go do some research and figure out um, your own implicit bias. What is it and what can you do to look yourself in the mirror and go, what can I do to be an anti-racist? What can I do to be more inclusive? And start start growing. It's okay. It, whatever your past is, is not a death sentence. Right. Every single person can start today and say, starting right now, look at your watch. Starting right now, I'm going to change. I'm going to be better. And it's it's not a – it doesn't matter what you've done Progress, in the past. Perfection. Get better. Start today. And think it's not about what you can do better. It's not about what you can do better. It's about what can I do better. And if you – if Every single person in the world looked in the mirror today and said, what can I do I to be Michael a better Jackson human? Right What's that? I'm going to sing Michael Jackson right now. I'm going to do a little man in the, the mirror. The man in the mirror. Oh, yeah. So you got it. But, that, but that's, I think if anybody starts, because I'm, I'm not saying I was the greatest person my whole life, but three years ago, I sat down and said, what can I do to grow and be better? And that's the person that I want to be and I want to strive to be. It doesn't matter. Just start today and that's how we're going to drive change and I'm hoping, see it. I, gotta say, I believe that nashville can do it i definitely believe nashville can do it i've seen it in some chefs that i worked with in the past they've definitely done some about faces some 180s and i'm like good for you yeah hell yeah let's I've do it. it let's go all right guys ladies thank you so much for joining us today <laughs> it's been a pleasure. thank me. you so much for having all me right. thank you okay wow um thank you so much charlotte and to kelly for joining us uh, that was a fun. Uh, I, thought, I thought it was a fun conversation, and uh, I learned. I learned a lot during that. I think that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know more to say. I think that there at the end, I I think I said it all for myself. And uh, on that note, I will tell you that on March the twenty seventh at Yayes, they're doing another one of these, uh, changing your culture. So I think it's something that if you need to get tickets, you should go. Right now to LeDomNashville.org and you should get tickets. Uh, I know I will be there. So thank you for listening and um, hopefully we'll see you at a Ben's Friends meeting every Monday at 11 o'clock at the Oak Steakhouse. If you are trying to figure out any kind of substance abuse problem and you work in the restaurant industry, this is your place to be among like-minded people. It's not an AA meeting. It's just a, it's a meeting of people that get together that want to help each other. So it's free. And uh, you can valley park and they'll comp your ticket. And uh, Ben's friends at the Oak Steakhouse every Monday at 11 a.m. Hope you guys are being safe out there. Love you guys. Bye-bye.